Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host. Today's scripture reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 3, it talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But in, in verse 4, it says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Isn't it wonderful to realize that there's an inheritance for us in heaven? The first inheritance is the fact that we are saved, that we're born again by the blood of Christ. And because of that, we have eternal life. Even today, we have eternal life. We're already living that life. But we're laying up treasure in heaven, and that treasure in heaven will be given to us. We will inherit that when we live throughout eternity. So right now, we have the privilege of serving God each day. And as we serve faithfully, we continue to lay up that treasure and we will have rewards in heaven after we pass into his presence. What a great privilege we have. After all, our salvation is undeserved. God the Son did all the work on the cross. He bore our sins and because of that, our sins are forgiven. We've been given life and life more abundantly. We have his righteousness indwelling us. And as we serve him faithfully, he rewards us for that work. What a great privilege, what a great blessing. What a great God we serve. I have good news to bring And that is why I sing All my joys with you I'll share I'm gonna take a trip in that good old gospel ship and go sailing through the air Oh, I'm gonna take a trip in the good old gospel ship I'm going far beyond the sky Oh, I'm gonna shout and sing until the heavens ring while I'm bidding this world Yeah. 
This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio two wonderful missionaries from uh, Japan, actually in Okinawa. Their names are Peter and Valerie Limmer. They've been serving there for many years. Val and uh, Peter, why don't you tell us about uh, your ministry there in Okinawa? We have been working with a local church and uh, we've been working under a Japanese pastor and we've been working with him for four years now. We really feel like our purpose is to connect the church with the Japanese community around them. As foreigners, we have opportunities to be able to meet people, to, to make those connections that Japanese people often find hard to make, especially Christians. And it opens the door for the church to be able to disciple and also to bring in new Christians and baptize them. So we really feel that this ministry that we have with the church is really incredible. I believe that's true. I was able to visit Peter and Valerie a year or two ago and saw the great impact they have on the, the church. And I, I really appreciated the pastor being so much for their their ministry and their outreach. And they really contribute a lot to the church. I mean, Peter has a wonderful gift with a violin and music. Valerie can just about cook anything that, that they have over there. So they, they really contribute a lot to the church. But then all this outreach where they're able to make connections in the Japanese culture, which is sort of a, a culture that doesn't communicate one to another. They're sort of clannish in ways. They're trying to break through cultural barriers and uh, trying to present Christ to people who never would be open to it otherwise. So we're really thankful for their ministry there. Well, listen, do you uh, would you like to share uh, about some of the folks that you minister to or have an impact in their lives? Absolutely. There's one uh, fellow who comes to mind in particular. We've nicknamed him Theo. He has a Japanese name, but we try to protect his privacy. We first met him, actually, through a ministry that kind of developed by befriending cats in our community. Okinawa is a very warm climate, and there are a lot of wild cats that just kind of exist around where we live. They uh, don't have owners. They're very clean. They don't have fleas either. And uh, and it's a lot of fun just to kind of interact with them and give them food and play with them. And this is actually viewed by the Okinawan people as volunteering in the community, which we didn't realize until uh, someone came up to us and, and thanked us for volunteering in the community. And when we asked for clarification, they said, oh, well, you're feeding the cats. That's volunteering. When We've actually met quite a number of people through the cats because they tend to be quite shy of people. They've sometimes been mistreated, particularly by teenage boys, and so uh, they tend to be quite shy. So when people see us interacting with them and playing with them, the cats almost act as a character reference for us with the people in Okinawa, and we've met many people through our interactions with these cats. Theo was an interesting case. Uh, we were actually one evening just outside interacting with the cats, feeding them, when a man who was quite big and hulking kind of came by and he we were a little bit intimidated by him I'd say at first or I would naturally be a little intimidated by him but he sat down with us and he said oh I see you're feeding the cats and eventually he asked us if we wanted if we liked sushi and if we wanted to go out with him for dinner. So we said a quick prayer asking God, should we go with this man? And uh, he said yes, so we went with him. And when we sat down for dinner, we soon heard about why he had come 
to see us. He had actually seen us from the upper window of the place that he was living and he told us that even though he lived alone, he had actually heard a voice from above telling him to come and meet with us. Yeah, those were his exact words, a voice from above. And so he came over and met with us and we started to meet with him on a semi-regular basis. He decided that he wanted to meet the pastor. And so we had tried to make a time where we could all get together with the pastor, but we were unable to find a convenient time for everyone. And one day he just decided that he would up and go and go to the church. And so he went to the church unbeknownst to us. And he was speaking with the pastor and the pastor invited him out to this gospel concert and gospel music is very popular in Japan. And he was very excited. And the next time we met with him, he says, oh, I met with Pastor Iga and said, oh, when did you do that? And so he, he said, oh, I went the other day and it was a, such a wonderful experience and your pastor is such a nice guy. And he said, and look over there. And he points to a pillar in the restaurant we're sitting. He says, I've even was invited to that gospel concert. And so I put the poster up so all my friends can see. Wow. <laughs> And it was just a really amazing time over and over of meeting with um, Theo and, and getting to know him. And at one point I said to him, we're so happy that we met with you. We're so happy that you've become our friend. And he looked at me and he said, no, we are not friends. And I kind of <laughs> thought to myself, oh no, what have we done wrong? But then he completed his sentence and he said, you are kind people. I think we are family. Oh, good. And, that is good. Yeah. So we, we've just had amazing opportunities to share the gospel with him. And he's actually um, invited us to meet a whole bunch of his other friends and has actually been an amazing person for connecting us with other people that we can share the good news about Jesus with as well. And so he hasn't become a Christian yet, but he did come out to that gospel concert. And it was really neat to see how even the message within the gospel concert really closely mimicked a lot of the themes of our discussions, except using better Japanese than we could muster. So, Wow. Well, that's a great story. Uh, the cat ministry produced <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of friendships and uh, friendship evangelism. And uh, the Lord certainly is using you in a mighty way. We appreciate you sharing those wonderful stories. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you know, this is a listener-supported program, and we would not be able to be on the air without our listeners' help. Please remember us in your wills and trust as a legacy gift. This can help Kaz National Bible Hour continue on the air even after your life on this earth ends. This month, we are offering a booklet called The Saga of a Wise Fool by Dr. Fred Hartman. In this booklet, you will meet an intriguing character known for wisdom and foolishness. The contradiction between his reputation as the wisest man who ever lived and his choices that were very unwise can be understood by examining different aspects of his life. Dr. Fred Hartman does this in a very powerful way. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2R7A7, or in the U.S., Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. Jesus is calling
calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling all promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home. Grace and dying love, a newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. Free grace, free grace, free grace, sinner. Free grace, free grace, a newborn again. So glad, so glad, a newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. I found my Lord has set me free. I'm newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. Free grace, free grace, free grace, sinner. Free grace, free grace, I'm newborn again. So glad, so glad I'm newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. Been Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman and is a continuation of his Revelation series. Printed copies are available upon request. In our last two studies of Revelation chapter 12, we've looked at the first 11 verses. We learned that the woman who bore the male child was Israel and the child was the Lord Jesus Christ. The next character to whom we are introduced is Satan. He has done and will continue to do all he can to dispose of both Israel and Christ. We also learned that there was war in heaven, and that great usurper was finally booted out of heaven and cast upon the earth. 
Heaven is rejoicing to be rid of this wicked one, but he will only pour out his wrath upon this old planet. This will cause all kinds of problems here. We pick up the narrative here now in verses 12 and 13. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. When Satan finally realizes he only has dominion over the earth, he will do everything in his power to cause the plan of God to end, so that he can take over as God himself. He also knows whatever he's going to do must be done very quickly. He knows that God's timetable only gives him three and a half years to accomplish his evil purposes. The very first thing he will try to do is to destroy Israel. Why is this so? He knows that God has made many promises through his covenants with Israel. If he can destroy Israel, God cannot keep those promises. So God would fail, and he could gain the upper hand over him. In actuality, Satan has been going after Israel all along. He has never let up on them. As we look at the world situation today, we can certainly see the preparatory stages for this final onslaught taking place. There's not only anti-Semitism growing in one nation after another, but Jewish people are being hated, ravaged, and killed. Many nations have the desire to destroy the nation of Israel, as well as to kill all of the Jews. In my own personal opinion, things are only going to get worse before what John is speaking of in Revelation 12 comes to pass. This will climax in the last half of the tribulation period. However, we must always remember that it is the Lord who is in control of all things. The next thing we should note is that because of the satanic persecution, the Jewish people have to flee into the wilderness. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. That's chapter 12, verse 14. This verse only describes verse 6 in greater detail. There we read, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand and two hundred and threescore days. Before we take up the interpretation of these verses, we need to look at what Jesus had to say about this in Luke chapter 21, verses 20 to 22. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea Flee into the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. The first thing we need to ask ourselves 
is to what place will the Jews flee in the wilderness? Where will they go? We know from what Jesus said in Matthew 24 that it would be a difficult journey. He told them to pray. It would not be in the winter when travel could be bad. We know it would be much more difficult if they traveled on the Sabbath day. It would also be a difficult trip for women who were either pregnant or nursing their little ones. We know that they're to flee to a wilderness. We know that God will have prepared this place for them in advance. Some suggest it could very well be Petra, which is a rock city in Jordan that can only be reached through a very narrow gorge. It could also sustain a fairly large number of people. Then we must consider the number of Jewish people who will be involved in this hasty migration. As we look at the nation of Israel today, we see a Jewish population approaching 7 million. We must also note that because of the growing attacks on Jewish people across Europe, many are hastily leaving and going back to their homeland. I heard a recent claim that there was more French being spoken in Tel Aviv than Hebrew. Will all these people be the ones who will flee into the wilderness? Zechariah 13, 8, and 9 gives us a very clear answer to this question. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third part shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say it is my people, and they shall say the Lord is my God. From these verses, we can draw some very interesting conclusions. The first one is that all the citizens of Israel will not flee into the wilderness. It is speaking of a much smaller group, for many will die during the reign of the Antichrist during the tribulation period. Secondly, we must note that there are those who will somehow and sometime during this time period turn to the Lord. God is still a God of grace and mercy. However, there will still be a large group of these Jewish people who will have to flee for their safety. Exactly where these refugees will flee, we're not certain. It says, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness unto her place. Could this be anticipating the day when men fly? Or could it be referring to the speed which with these people leave? I'll let you decide on that. But it does promise that God will feed them there for three and a half years. Whatever the size of this group, is that too hard for God? After all, he fed approximately two million people in a wilderness for 40 years. He also provided them with water when they needed it, and even the clothes did not wear out. By the way, you ladies that are listening, can you imagine not having a closet full of clothes and having to wear only a couple of outfits for 40 years? I remember reading about a lot of grumbling on that wilderness journey, but not about problems regarding being fashionable. Also, exactly what they will eat, we are not told but we know it will meet their needs. Satan is still not finished with the Jewish people. He spits out of his mouth waters of flood after the woman or Israel. 
I am convinced that the water coming as a flood refers to armies that will come against Israel. The reason for saying this is from Isaiah 59:19, where we read, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. The concept here is a military term. It means that when the enemy comes in, God will cause them to flee. It tells us here that the earth will open up and swallow up the armies that Satan will send against that Jewish remnant. It is not unusual for God to take care of his enemies like this. We vividly remember what happened when the Egyptian army came after the Israelites at the Red Sea at the time of the Exodus. We should also take note of an incident recorded in Numbers 28. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram tried to usurp Moses' God-given authority. God judged them by causing the ground to open up and swallow them. They went into the pit, or Sheol. In the final verse of chapter 12, we find that Satan was absolutely furious with that remnant of Jews which keep the commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Not only did Satan hate Israel, but he was even far more furious towards Jewish people who had put their faith in the Lord Jesus during the tribulation period. He went to make war with them. This is nothing new, for today, even though Satan has yet to be finally cast out of heaven, just think of how Christians are hated by many, are being captured, raped, and even murdered by Muslims just because they name the name of Christ. As we see this, we can only realize the worst is yet to come. Though things look bad for believers in the Lord Jesus at this point in time, this is not the end of the story. For those who know Christ, no matter what any person or group can do to us, we have eternal life and will spend eternity with the Lord. However, just as Satan and all his angels will be cast into the lake of fire, there's a far greater tragedy that will take place. There will be multitudes of people who will wind up there with him to suffer for eternity. My friend, if you fail to come to Christ and receive him as your Savior, this will be your lot. Being a good person, a church member, or even one who is morally upright, will not get you into heaven. There's only one way to be certain of eternal life, and that is by faith in the Savior who died on the cross and paid the penalty for sins that neither you nor I can pay. You must accept him as your personal Savior. If you've never done that, my prayer is that you will right now. I'm sure the message you just heard was a great blessing to you, and I trust that it will help you live a life surrendered to Christ throughout this next week. Here at Cannes National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about the spiritual health of those who listen. We're thankful for those who are believers in Christ who can use the Bible messages to grow in their faith. But we're also concerned about those who maybe have never had a personal relationship with the God of the universe. The Bible is very clear that all sin and come short of the glory of God. You can't get to God without some Savior, some means 
of having your sins forgiven. And of course, the Bible tells us that the wages of our sin or the payment for our sin is death. That's spiritual death. That's hell. But the verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we need to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that by exercising faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The scripture tells us. This month, we are offering a booklet called The Saga of a Wise Fool by Dr. Fred Hartman. In this booklet, you will meet an intriguing character known for wisdom and foolishness. The contradiction between his reputation as the wisest man who ever lived and his choices that were very unwise can be understood by examining different aspects of his life. Dr. Fred Hartman does this in a very powerful way. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2R7A7, or in the U.S., Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231.